Welcome to Rough Drafts, How God Writes His Love in Our Stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell, and in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They are just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Friends, it's going to be a good conversation today. I think you are going to enjoy this. Um, yeah, Every week when we do this podcast, I try to think about how I'm going to introduce our guests because uh, there's a lot of different ways you can introduce each person. And when I started thinking about it, I don't actually remember how I met our guest today. Uh, so I'm sorry, I guess it wasn't memorable. <laughs> Maybe your story is, wow, this guy's a jerk. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like since I've been in Dixon, I've just always known her. Uh, she is an incredible advocate in the special needs community. And what's really cool is she's an advocate uh, on behalf of the special needs community to help churches and organizations figure out how to do better. That's really cool to me. Uh, she's a mom. She's a worker. She's a lot of things. But today's guest is, uh, oh, one more thing. She's running for school board, too. That's a thing. We'll probably talk about that a little bit, too. That's uh, Robin Lampley. Welcome. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm glad to be here. So that was a terrible introduction. That was a great it? introduction because I don't recall either. So. <laughs> okay, good. I was hoping uh, it wasn't just me. Two non-memorables come together. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call this episode the forgettable ones. Yes. You know? But there's nothing forgettable about you because, you know, I remember vividly uh, all these meetings we had about Dixon inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, you showed us these incredible videos about how we want to move from being people who just accommodate the special needs community but integrate Mm -hmm. And man, okay, I'm, I'm probably already stealing your thunder, but it was cool stuff. And it was really cool to me because it was such applicable lessons. It didn't just apply to special needs. It applied to uh, racial diversity or ethnic people. diversity, all sorts mm -hmm. of things. People are people. Mm -hmm. So exactly. I have no clue where you want to start. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with what you started with when you first asked me to consider this and you said that Monica had shared a story. It's all Monica's that fault. Planted the idea that that maybe we could do an interview, and so I've thought back to that story, and I thought I would just start with that. Great, because um, it struck her and it struck you. So maybe it'll strike the audience. But I have a son who has Down syndrome, and he when he was born, I did not know. I did not do any testing. Did not matter to me. Um, and so he was seven days old when we were informed. And so I had a lot of thinking to do. And I think that's what is going to be our topic today. I don't really have a purpose or a goal. Uh, I'm just going to share from a mom who has a child with a disability and kind of what that walk is like and just see what comes to mind. I don't yeah. even have a planned uh, bullet list. But the memory was um, like when he was born, I spent a lot of time thinking because it's like, I've landed in a place literally from one moment to the next. I've landed in a place that I've never been. And I realized I've never known anyone who's been here. And, you know, over the course of the next weeks, thinking about this, I asked my mom, I'm like, where were the kids with disabilities when I was growing up? Yeah. And I'm of an age. Mom said, well, I think there was a school. And so 
you know, right there, I just had a lot to think about as I looked at my baby and I'm like, I don't want my baby to be in a school. I don't want my baby to be unknown. This is my child, you know, and I have a huge thriving community that I'm a part of in Dixon and he he's going to be there too. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about that. I would be up in the middle of the night feeding him and then I would rock him and I can just remember sitting in the dark and thinking and I call it worrying and on the radio I'm going to say or in a podcast not worrying worrying my mind spins and spins and spins and spins thinking and thinking and thinking and what I remember that was very interesting in those moments was all the things I would think about and be concerned about and I had a daughter that was 18 months old and so I thought about things like uh, oh one thing with disability they're like seven times more likely to be sexually abused Mm. And you think about that and you think about, I've got to protect and I've got to take care and I've got to understand, but he's going to want friends and he's going to want a life and how do I balance? And then I would think about my daughter and I would think about the statistics for, you know, co-eds in college. And it's like, it's not different. It's my child and I have to take care of my child and it's not that different. And, you know, there were all sorts of things I would worry about bullying or people being unkind or people not wanting to be his friend. And then I would think, People are not going to want to be my daughter's friend either, you know, and yeah. I'm going to raise her to value herself and her friends and that those people don't matter. And I just have to raise him the same. And, yeah. you know, it was all just settling in. So, you know, these were those early days where it's unknown and you're reading the books. And I read books that were from the 1950s. Yeah. And how they described people with intellectual <clears throat> disabilities and how two dimensional and how. And then I would read current books, and it was like, wow, we've come so far. Okay, give me an example yes. of that difference. Um, well, just, you know, adults that it would read like you had to take them by the hand, and you had to set them here, and you had to come back and get them later. And then I would read about, you know, the ones that are in the TV shows now that are, memor- you know, and are in yeah. movies and are memorizing lines, and it's like, it's the same disability. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference? And the difference is how we raise them and the expectations we have. And I've been thrilled ever since he was born that I'm in a time where as a parent right off the bat, you know, the Down Syndrome Association, um, early intervention services, I was surrounded by organizations saying can, not cannot, Mm -hmm. you know, and the sayings like nothing about me without me, which implies I have preferences and I want to be a part of the decisions in my life. And you know, when you see someone with a disability, assume competence. Just so much about how the people around my son were going to be so important to his life. And so leading up to the story then, this is where I was. And these were all of my thoughts. And so I'm not, I don't, I'm not a journaler, so I can't remember exactly. I feel like it was the very first time I took him to church. Um And it turned out we got there and we were having a big area-wide singing. And I knew immediately there is a young man in our area who has Down syndrome and he loves to lead singing and he is going to be here. Yeah. And it felt so about me. It was like everyone in here is going to look at him and they're going to think about my son. And I'm going to, you know, I just felt so like isolated and spotlighted all at the same time. And I can just remember that moment knowing and, and, you know, and sure enough, he stood up, he went up, and we probably had 700 people yeah. in this singing. And it's like one word out of his mouth, 
and then 700 voices, mm. powerful and strong, were so ready to join him in that moment. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful moment for me because I felt it very personally. Yeah. And it was like these 700 people are here for me and 700 and 700 and 700 more outside these walls yeah. are going to be here for me. And so it was just life-changing in how I started this journey. And so that's the story I wanted to share. And I encourage listeners um, to be to be part of that 700 wherever you are. Be the support. Be the help. Be the open mind that wants to learn about a disability and find the ability that's greater than the disability in that, in that individual, whether it's a child or an adult or a neighbor. Or, um, so that's the beginning there's a lot to Any that. Any questions coming out of that? Or <laughs> Good grief. I mean, just rattling on. You know, you, I have a page of notes already. Yeah. I mean, the things that you've said, that question, where were the kids with disability? Good mm-hmm. grief. Where were, and I hadn't thought in my own story, where were they? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And the fact that I hadn't thought to ask is shame on me, right? Uh, that stat about sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But these lines saying can, not cannot, nothing about me without me, assume competence. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about... None of these are even special needs specific. This is just decent human being exactly. that we forget yeah. when we start dealing with someone who's different. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a neat thing that that I've witnessed. You know, both of my kids when they were in kindergarten and first grade, I was I was a helper in their classroom. You know, I did the centers, yeah. um, and and I got to work with kids. And what I saw as my son came through, because he was he was predominantly in the general ed classroom in kindergarten and first grade, and it's like the teacher that had him in class and could teach and include him. They picked up everybody in the class. The C students, the D students struggling. It's like when you get that mindset that I need to try to make this accessible for him. Yeah. You hit every kid in the class. And I was like, that that's kind of neat. That's kind yeah. of a plus to having him in that classroom. It was good for everybody. Yeah. Not to mention all the ways other kids same thing it's not to say he's the lowest but he he would have greater challenges and would succeed and what that says to the students around him that it comes a little easier well if he can i can you know i I don't know just there's all kinds of powerful ways having him in that setting and then that makes me think of two other thoughts that are down syndrome specific but um you know, people always say, and I don't want to be critical of people. I understand people don't know, and that's why I'm here doing this today, because yeah. I know people don't know. Um, but two things that drive us crazy that people say is, one, you know, um, God only gives kids with disabilities to special parents. It's yeah. like, no, we may be special, but I wasn't till he was born. I had to be. Does that yeah. make sense? And really, I think I was a special parent before he was born. I had another kid. And well, I, was I hate almost really any sentence yeah. that begins with God only does whatever. Yeah, cause it, exactly. Most of them are just flat and stupid. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, but but I do think God had yeah. faith in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that. But, I don't discount that, say, but those sentences. Yeah, but to say. God has a plan. This happened to mm-hmm. him because of me. Everything yeah. about it. It's like when you really dissect that, it's like, no. I don't think you mean that if you really yeah. think about it. But the other thing is that with Down syndrome, oh, they're always happy. And it's like, no. Yeah. They are not. <laughs> he is not always happy. He is not happy if his shoes are hurting his feet. He is not happy 
when he's in trouble at school. He is not happy when kids laugh at him. He's not happy when he doesn't know how to play a game and so you don't let him play. Um, there's lots of ways he's not happy, just like I'm not. Well, you, know? you said it a minute ago that in the 50s, the language was a caricature, two-dimensional, mm-hmm. I think was, was your mm-hmm. phrase. And I think that's something that we have been really guilty of doing with people who are other, whether it's um, whether it's a disability mm-hmm. issue, we we see them just as, oh, he's a Down syndrome kid. He's goofy, happy, and can't do anything. And that's yeah. all we yeah. think. Mm-hmm. We don't think about the fact that he has a full range of emotions. Yeah. Shucks, we do the same thing even even racially. You know, yes. oh, that person's a different skin color than me. Mm-hmm. They must be this. Mm-hmm. And stereotypes are not our friends. Yep. Uh, um, and, you know, and that taps into that people first language, you know, Down syndrome kid. I mean, even in that, you know, he is an individual who has Down syndrome, just like someone to be an individual that uses a wheelchair. It's not a wheelchair man, you yeah. know. Um, and I will say in the world of autism, it's a little different because there are there are people with autism that do consider themselves an autistic individual. Yeah. And it's kind of how you how you what you assign to that term, because you can be a tall man. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you become two dimensional. You're only tall. Right. Autism can be that way. It can be more of a descriptor than an identifier. And so that's a very personal thing on how people prefer you use that term. But really, nobody wants to be called a Down syndrome person. No, um, because there's not a the whole same thing lot. from the deaf community, yeah. the hard of hearing community. And if you want to go to a whole nother world, uh, when you talk about specific issues, I've heard the same thing about people with same sex attraction. Uh Yes. Do I want to be identified by my attraction, or is there more to me than my sexuality? Exactly, uh, and that's yeah. that conversation probably just got me five emails. But, well, you know, but but it does open up the point is that we need to see every person as an individual, and I would like to get to know you. Yeah, and I want to be open with you to say, tell me mm-hmm. if I do something that offends you, tell me. Mm-hmm. Number one, I'm going to try not to offend you. But I don't need to be afraid to ask, and especially someone with disability, is don't be afraid to ask. Let's you know? go back to that word you just used, yeah. afraid. Right. Because that has been the theme that's run through everything you've talked about. Yes. When you first find out your child has this disability, mm-hmm. there is fear. What's mm-hmm. going to happen? The What's unknown. the future? Just mm-hmm. even the fear, are my dreams not going to come true because I pictured it one way? Yes. This is happening another. Mm-hmm. Then you take this to another section. That story at church, the way that plays through in my mind is if I'm a visitor and I don't know these people mm-hmm. and I see this person get up to the microphone, I almost feel the anxiety rising in my chest. What's going to happen? Right. Can he carry a tune in a bucket? Mm-hmm. Is this going? Is he going to embarrass himself? Secondhand cringe. Yes. Are people going to do what they're supposed to do? I'm afraid I'm going to do wrong by this person. Mm-hmm. And fear, man, is all through mm-hmm. this stuff. Talk, and it often talk just about makes that. us be silent. And that's not a great reaction. Don't be afraid. You can be kind. Yeah. But you can ask. Um, yeah, and that doesn't even really trigger for me a lot more to say because it's just that. It's just be kind. Yeah. You know, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, yeah. One of the things I'm really grateful for, Monica. Oh, that hurt. We're going to have to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Monica teaching the church here to do some of these events that we've done mm-hmm. and inviting so many of us to come beside her and pals. Mm-hmm has been learning not to be afraid to interact. Yes. Because the number of people that have said to me, I'm scared to talk to someone with a disability because I'm afraid I will do it wrong. Right. Um, Yeah. Again, just kindness, just basic 
kindness and not seeing. You recognize the disability and that they may need help maneuvering around or they may need help understanding what you mean in a simpler. So you're aware of it, but you're not. That's not what you're talking to is a disability. You're talking to a person Mm -hmm. and you're doing something fun and you're wondering if they would like to participate and you just keep your mind on what is the conversation? What is the point here? How can we communicate? How can we be people together? Yep. Yep. And I think some of what goes into it is if we grew up in a generation where we hid people, Mm -hmm. now that we see them, um, I'm afraid that I will be patronizing accidentally. Right. I'm afraid that Mm -hmm. I will be over their heads and then the opposite error, um, I think we're just afraid. Yes. And the only way to get over that fear is to to mm-hmm. interact mm-hmm. and and yeah, probably to make some of the mistakes and say yes, them learn some from of them. the dumb things. But mm-hmm. that's how we learn to have any sort of relationship. But I think when it's through kindness, and it, it's kind, and you work through it, mm-hmm. and and people feel your kindness, and so you don't have to be afraid if you purposefully are. are coming at it with that right plan. I'm not doing this out of pity. Yeah. I'm not doing this because people are looking and I want to take advantage of being nice to you to make myself look good. You know, when you're thinking about the person. Okay. Talk to me about the problem with pity (laughs) because I think this is something that gets missed Mm -hmm. because pity Mm -hmm. to a lot of people sounds like a good, I feel he's so pitiful. Yes. I'm going to help. But talk to me about what's underneath that. You know, all of those things come back to this is a person. This is a person that has pride in self and pride in ability. And so help them be. Don't do it for them. If they don't need it done for them, help them be. Um, they don't need pity. Mm-hmm. don't need pity. But sometimes they need help. There is just a big difference. But it's respecting them as an individual and respecting yeah. their preferences, respecting what they have to offer perspectives and their knowledge, their experience. I think pity is fundamentally a um, a condescending mm-hmm. viewpoint. Mm-hmm. I am good. You are not good. How sad it must be to be to you. To be you, exactly. And yeah. that communicates. Even if, yeah. even if the idea behind pity is an attempt at kindness, mm-hmm. it's kindness through condescension. I and that's not kindness. Seeing yourself in that person. Yeah. Seeing yourself. That could have been me. Mm. It could be my child. It could be my sibling. It is a very natural part of life. And we need to all find out how to incorporate it and let it be real and of value. Um, Kind of a perspective on that. That makes me think of, like I said, his sister's just say 18 months older. And I think she was probably around four when I was tucking her in one night. And she was like, you know, he is so lucky he is just going to go to heaven. He's just going to go to heaven, and it's not going to be hard. And I was like, what a beautiful perspective on him, mm. you know? And I was like, yes, if we raise him right, yeah. if we teach him right from wrong, then it will be a simpler journey in that perspective because yeah. it's clearer to him. A lot of things don't tempt him because why? Why would? Why is that fun? Why is that a temptation? Yeah. Uh, you know, all the things we try to steer our kids away from. It's like he sees clearly, he sees clearly what's valuable in life, relationships and joy and participation. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, there's a whole lot of junk that doesn't even interest him because it's the why. Why would that be fun? 
Yeah, why do I need that? Yeah. So it was interesting that in that moment she envied him because it was like when it comes to what really matters. And, and I, th- I think about that sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, maybe. Maybe he even got, you know, the best end of the deal. Yeah. You know, we may someday look back and go, oh, my goodness, they were the lucky ones. Well, if Jesus yeah. says you've got to be like a child to exactly. enter the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, that seems mm-hmm. like a pretty mm-hmm. pretty good line between those two ideas. He led scripture. I mean, read scripture in church this past Sunday for yeah. the first time, like in worship. Yeah. And it was all he's doing. He'd gone to our preacher. Yeah. So I want to read scripture. And he's like, well, that's our kind of worship coordinator and so he had texted that guy's son yeah and said where's dad i need to talk to him <laughs> that's awesome but he's like i really want to read scripture and that's been a lifelong dream of his he has yet to lead us all that's okay. still on the list led prayer for many years once you know and then now he's read scripture um so yeah it is like we've come full circle from those early days and now we're looking at what's next he'll leave school in may he'll graduate Okay. And so all those full-time supports and, you know, everything that has surrounded him will fade and we'll figure out what's next. But back to, like, what you and I talked about, you know, the work that I've done along the way. Yeah, we're counting on Dixon County. We're counting on the adult stuff, Mm -hmm. making room and welcoming him. Yeah. Whether it's, uh, you know, obviously employment, who, who will work with us. He's had several jobs already organizations that done a really good job at looking at and this is what we ask people to do in their business is look at the work that happens and maybe you have six employees and they all do this job and there's a piece of that job that's really simple and often that piece maybe the least favorite because it's the more routine it's maybe the more a little repetitive and challenging and repetitive that maybe if five people did everything but that, yeah. one person could do that all day. Yeah. And, and, you know, how do you look at your business and say, where could I shift around work assignments? And they call it carving out, but carve out a portion that someone with an intellectual disability could do this or someone with a physical or a mobility challenge. Okay, could do this stationary if we yeah. peeled off this portion of the work. And so... um you know, hoping that our community will do things like that. We find that employers who successfully do this, yes, it may take longer to train somebody on the front end, but if you put the effort and the resources and you make it work, you often end up with an employee that is yours for life. So there's never retraining. Yeah. They're they're going to be on time. They're going to love their job. There's a, you know, you can never they're say not the always. person who stutters up right. drama. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't. Yeah, there's just so many ways. There's so many studies out there that, you know, what you get back for that front end investment really pays off. And and then it's good for our society. All the things I said about, you know, classes and influence and, you know, having this diversity in your in the world just makes us all better. But we're hoping for that. And then, you know, to find the things he likes to do from up community perspective recreational and social yes. and entertainment because yep. those, those same matter. doors will open mm-hmm. and he can have a full life because he's used to a full life i yeah. drop him off at school in the morning he goes to his classes all day he's in cross country he's in track he does that we pick him up when it's over yeah if he goes to work he's texting whoever else works can i get a ride you know yeah. he's figured all these things out and it all did take time 
but he learned it and he does it on his own. And now we're going to start over. Yeah. And we're hoping that we're in a community that's going to be there for so us. So this time of transition is tough because mm-hmm. the state funds a lot of things in the schools and programs. Yes. And there's kind of a cliff you fall off mm-hmm. when you graduate high school, you there turn is. 18. Yep. Then what? Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot of people who fall into right. that cliff. And that's that was the project we were, we were talking about. Yes. How do we get yes. uh, businesses to be mm-hmm. aware of this possibility? How can we... Um, mm-hmm. How can you train us into recognizing that there are things that that People can, can be, be done? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, and, and there, what was needed in those sessions and these Zoom calls, people would kind of mm-hmm. spout off. You know, at my job, the carve out could be yes. You yep. know, I, I'm I have a restaurant and nobody likes rolling rolling silverware, but that's a job that mm-hmm. is perfect for somebody with yes. a certain level. Yep. There are other jobs that are more complex or less complex. Mm-hmm. Um, Another church in town, um, uh, one of the sweet girls there is the uh, the person who puts all the mailing labels on everything. Yes. Because that is time consuming mm-hmm. and no one like, but she loves doing it. Yes. Um, and it's necessary and it gets done and it gets done well. And mm-hmm. that's not uh, demeaning. That's not exploitative because I think yep. people sometimes are afraid of those concepts too. Yep. Um, and those have existed in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or just meaningless, like you say, just kind of fake. Yeah. Fake work. Yeah, and, I don't want you to move a pile of rocks from one side of the parking lot to the other right. back and forth. Right. Nobody should right. have to do that. Uh, not makeup mm-hmm. work, but but real work. Mm-hmm. Um, a few minutes ago, you talked about how sometimes parents will say, I can, couldn't imagine what it would be like. And that triggered a, a memory of something I heard somebody say one time. Um, he said, almost every time you find yourself saying to someone, I can't imagine what you're going through. He said, you're lying to them. The truth is you don't want to imagine it. Because it's uncomfortable and mm-hmm. it's difficult. It, so I've thought about that. And that's true. And that's making me think, and that's not going to come to me. But there are things in life that I have realized. I, I try. Yeah. I try to imagine. And yes, if you're honest with yourself, you realize you draw you draw up short of that imagination because you don't want to. You realize, I don't have to. Yeah. But maybe it's a good exercise to periodically take yourself close enough to hit that point where you realize there's a suffering there or a, a challenge or a difficulty that I really am thankful I don't have. And maybe how can I help alleviate or assist? Yep. Yep. And I mean, it's one thing to say, let me know if I can help you with anything. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to actually mm-hmm. be helpful. And those yes. are those are yep. two different things. I think maybe I'm thinking about like the people in you know, with what's going on in Gaza, what's going on in the Ukraine. Yeah. And and especially maybe, yeah, people that I know there have children with disabilities and I can't imagine their heartache. I cannot imagine. But just all of those folks, I mean, that your home has been blown up and it's gone and you're traveling and you're cold mm-hmm. and you have nothing. And yesterday, you know, you were planning ball games and Christmas parties or, you know, yeah. you, a normal life just like ours. And like I say, I find myself stopping short of really... Because it's so horrific. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't want to, but I need to, to be thankful <laughs> that I don't have that. And I need to think about how in my day am I giving and helping because I am so thankful. But yes, mm. you're right. When people can't imagine, you probably can. Yeah. And maybe try a little and you might be more sympathetic and helpful. Yeah. So uh, somewhere in that process, you gave me a phrase that I've repeated a lot um, stairs and stairs. Oh, you yes. Stairs and stairs? Yes. S-T-A-I-R-S and yes. S-T-A-R-E-S. And you introduced me to that concept is 
two barriers to entry, literally and yes. emotionally, to to church or business mm-hmm. or inclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk mm-hmm. talk about that concept a little bit because that was really cool. I want to see you remind me of stuff that I don't even remember. <laughs> but certainly, um, I preached a sermon yeah. on that one. That was all your fault. Yeah. So. <laughs> But certainly that was something in the past, and it's still sometimes people don't realize. You know, the ADA made a big difference mm-hmm. in accessibility to someone on a wheelchair, someone using a wheelchair that they can't get in the door because you've got stairs at all your entrances. But then we learn from that that um, there are lots of ways in life that we put up stairs. And, and I guess what you're saying is, like I said, I don't even remember it, but certainly stairs, people looking at you and watching you as though... Probably they're just curious, but you feel that you don't belong or you feel that you're so odd or so different or so impersonal that you don't want to enter. You feel very unwelcome. I did a ride along with a Bellmead cop a little while back. And what struck me is is interesting is everywhere we went, we were stared at because you don't realize that when there's a cop who drives by, you stare. Yes. That's what everyone does. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I said, how do you get used to this? And then I, I think about that experience. And act a little you know. different. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Man, it's different. But, yep. um, you know, one of the things that you said when we first had that conversation was we stand up in church and say everybody's welcome, but there's a three-inch lip on the door that right. says, no, you're not. Right. Um, and I don't remember the number because I'm not smart enough to, but the number of the percentage of people mm-hmm. that encounter disability in their lifetime is is virtually everyone. Yes. Whether you're born with one or there's an accident at some point mm-hmm. in your life or it's just part of that crummy part of aging and yeah, dying. Yes. Everyone mm-hmm. virtually, mm-hmm. unless you're real lucky and you die in your sleep. You yes. Know, you encounter and have to live with and accommodate a disability. Yeah. Exactly. And yep. if we thought about this as a universal thing rather than mm-hmm. just people who have a genetic deformity or whatever, that's not even the right word. Uh Difference. Yes. Um, it would sure help us uh, yep. a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made me, I was going to say, and not really wanting to talk about school board, but it does just make me think of school and that I looked and 15% of our student population receive special education services. So that's about 1,200 kids. You know, 1,200 so, yes. kids. Dixon County yes. has a population yes. total of 55,000, give or take. At 88. Oh, yes. The, the county is, and the school yeah, is 8,800. 8, is that right? 8,800 students. Mm-hmm. So 1,500 kids. Mm-hmm. So picture your gym yeah. At, yeah. at Dixon County High. And a lot of that is speech or, you know, so right. it's a broad range what those services are. Reading, but what support, would it mean if we didn't and, have any of those things? Right. Right. What kind of society would we be? Right. But because we do have those things, what kind of a society are we in recognizing? It's not unusual. Yeah. We should learn. And I don't want this whole conversation to be negative. That's not meant to be the point. I mean, my son has had an amazing life between church and community and school. He has had an amazing life of individuals and people that believe in him and that open doors for him and, you know, aren't staring at him, but are walking beside and walking with. And, And I think that's what I so advocate for is I want that more. I want that more for him, but I want it more in our community. I want it more for, you know, all the kids, all the adults. Um, and then, as I said, as we get better at that, then we get better at our kindness to everyone. Yes. You know, like I said, we scoop up everyone with that bucket. When we aim for those that maybe it's that need the most help, if we meet their needs, then everybody from top to bottom is is benefiting. Yep. Man, Not to mention huge. how great it feels. 
when you make someone's life better, you know, because you know, you know, you've done it. You see it. We have a we have a basketball program. Okay, I was I about never, to ask you to talk about hoops. I never have trouble. So we started this again. My son loves sports and um, he's done a lot of different little programs here and there. And so a few years ago, I approached the South Dixon Basketball League to say, y'all got a whole program. I don't have the resources to get courts and referees and but could I push in and create something for kids that maybe can't? And it really is not that they can't play. South Dixon is amazing at their openness to want all kids to play. Right. But it's that I have kids that want to play the whole 40 minutes. Yeah. So that gets a little complicated when you're trying to have a true competitive game and you take disability and say, does that make sense? Yes. Because that's part of what I'd seen. It was like he was welcome to play, but it's kind of an in and out sort of participation, which is a beautiful thing. You're welcome and to I'm play like, two minutes at the end of each half if we're ahead. And that and even that, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that's not okay if that works for that. Because there are. There are yeah. kids that love going to practice and love playing and love being a part of the team and maybe don't even have the stamina yeah. for a full game. They want that camaraderie. There's a place for both. But it was like, but there are kids who want to play competitive for 40 minutes. Yeah. Can we can we give this a try? And they yeah. were like, yeah. And so they've been so supportive. And then we have the girls basketball uh, team at Dixon County High School does the hoops camp every summer. They added a third camp. It's for kids with disabilities. They bring all that support out. And it's a lot of fun in and of itself. But then it also is where I can find those students in the county that want to play 40 minutes of competitive basketball. Yeah. And... um because it's not. It's not all of them. But there are some. And so I had six, five, and six each year. Yeah. And um, and the way we do it is we come to our practices, we practice together, and then for our game, we split our kids into two teams, and we bring in peer players. Cool. And um, it works. Yeah. It's kind of neat. And so, and the pace will be different mm-hmm. depending on a fast runner with the ball, and we'll fly down, or the slower runner We'll all move a little slower, but they all dribble, they all shoot, you know, to yeah. whatever degree they want to participate. Um, and it's competitive. And it's so fun to watch. And then the kids that play with us want to play again. Mm-hmm. And it's neat how they get their own kind of competitive mixed in. I don't know, it becomes like a different, almost a slightly different sport. Yeah. But it's truly competitive and it's truly fun. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch. Um so I don't know. I've been very pleased that we've been able to work that out. Again, what a good lesson that's got to be yeah. for the typical kids or, mm-hmm. who are your peer players. Uh, you know, some of the hardest lessons to teach those kids are not being ball hogs, being yeah. team players, mm-hmm. reading the whole court. And what better lab to learn that? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's huge. And seeing how these kids, I mean, their skill by the end. I mean, we're we're playing a different level of basketball by the end of the season every yeah. year because they we've got a great coach. Caleb Tuck is our coach. And I mean, he drills them and then that's good for them, you know, yeah. but they get so much better, you know, they're dribbling and their arms are straight up for defense and they're rebounding and um, yeah, it's fun and it works. And I'm glad we have it. And that program, you're not a toot your own horn person. That program exists because you saw a need and you said, what can we do about it? And you started asking questions. 
Certainly. And, and you know, I work for Developmental Services, mm-hmm. um, service provider for adults, and they merged with the local chapter, the ARC, which is the kind of nationwide advocacy organization. And they asked me at the time I was on their board and they asked if I would come to work. I was not working. I had my kids. And with James, I was not planning to go back to work. But I was like, I could work part time. Yeah. Because it meshes. I mean, everything I do to be good at my job makes me a better parent and vice versa. So, um, and it was left up to me. You can do whatever you want. I just want to have it in the county. So it was a great relationship. And I was like, well, we're experts already on adults. That's what we do. Yeah. But Dixon did not have a lot for families with students, you know, kids still in school. Yeah. So it was like, that's going to be my focus. And it has been. It's been. You know, the education itself, you have the IEP process and you have the meetings every year. And parents are a part of that in planning every year, you know, the system. It has evaluations of the student. What are their needs? Then you make the associated goals. And then you talk about what kind of services do we need. And then the last thing you talk about is placement. Yeah. So you don't decide, you know, are you in a separate room all day? Are you in gen ed? You don't decide. Yeah. You don't even talk about that you really have a handle on what are their needs how are we yeah. going to meet them and then where can we meet them yeah. and as much as possible we're going to meet them with the typical kids yeah so that whole process is is it's part of idea it's federal law and it works mm-hmm. and a piece of it is the parent yeah the parents in that meeting and the parent has to sign off and the parent has to be informed but we don't really have parent training per se mm. as part of the process yeah we do have some wonderful we have 10 step and the arc and the down syndrome association and autism tennessee those are four of your large advocacy groups and that's a big piece of what we all do is try to get to the parents to say let us tell you how this process works yeah. and what your piece of it is because you're valuable but it's hard to be confident sitting at that table with 20 professionals yeah if someone hasn't helped you understand how this works it's hard to question the psychologist when they've got you know all the letters after their name but you're the mom or you're the dad or sometimes you're the sibling and you know more than anybody at the table and how do you get that confidence how do you learn the language and so that was a piece of my focus but then also as i say all the societal pieces all the ways that our kids want to have friends they want to be involved they want to do the sports or the drama or the music you know how do we open up our community and i've had really good success and i'll spew this and then i probably won't think of everything but you know um the quest center has been great they started a couple of classes and they've you know they're still with us today that we have classes and you know the strouds are parents of a young man and they started the game night at the Y and we have that and the YMCA gives us that space and I have a Christmas party every year year, and the YMCA gives me that space um Miss Amy's did dance classes for a while and then I've got a number of other people that are kind of lined up as time allows you know that I add one more thing and so we do we've made a lot of strides in Dixon County and I'm I'm proud of this county. I think um, but so people many when they know just, what to do are willing to do. Yeah. And so much of it is just will will people step up? Mm-hmm. People are really good if you ask them to do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of people out there who know what to ask, and that's one of the unique roles you filled. Yeah. You have been. 
I never would have thought about basketball. You know, I'm the least basketball-y human being who's ever lived, <laughs> but, you know. But, you know, you knew to ask, and yeah. by asking, you created these opportunities, and that's pretty cool. So let's let's shift gears. Okay. You're running for school board. I'm running for school board. You make terrible Sorry. choices. <laughs> no. Do you regret that decision yet? I don't. It's kind of a decision I made a, a, a long time ago somewhat because it is an area. It is another area where I'm like, do we have representation of these students, that 15%? Yeah. Um, because it's not something you can't know about it if you don't know about it. Yeah. You're not exposed to it. And so it's kind of been in my head you know, I've attended school board meetings for, I don't know, maybe seven years that I've really tried. It's one of the positives of COVID for me personally is that we finally have our school board meetings where I can attend without attending. It is I can watch them a from crying home. shame <laughs> that there are any meetings for the government mm-hmm. in this county that aren't live streamed yeah. on the Internet. Or, it's, yeah. I think it had ever even been long. audio because I'd even asked that before. Yeah. I was like, can we not even like just tape them so we can listen? Yeah. Because it's very hard. And you don't really want us all there. If the Church of Christ preacher can figure out a podcast, <laughs> surely the county government can. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, yeah. the school board ought to be, every so, city council in this yeah. county ought to be. I mean, it's it just needs to be. So, so that's where I am. It's kind of in another area that I'm like, I think I have skills and ability and history that come to play. You know, before I had kids, I was in investment accounting and investment accounting software for about 15 years. So I'm like, I think. I think being able to understand a budget, that's a big piece of what the school board is responsible for. And I don't make any of this sound like it's going to be easy for me if I, you know, get that seat or that I'm going to be so great. I, I just do think I do have history and skill and experience that's going to going to help give me a leg up in learning. There's a lot to learn for anybody who ever goes into something you, you like this. You hear these conversations and sometimes you'll hear somebody, you know, I'm going to change the world. No, no, actually, you're one vote right. on a board that has a limited scope. Right. But you go in knowing mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. you say, hey, I want to do the research. I'm already involved with the State Board of Education. I already right. know about the, mm-hmm. the IEP plans. I know about budgeting and finance. Yeah. And uh, I have been watching these meetings for seven mm-hmm. years, so I mm-hmm. understand the personalities involved and mm-hmm. the politics involved. Um, you have never struck me as a terribly political person. I am not. That was a compliment for what it's worth. <laughs> I will be glad when March 5th is coming on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. And the way Dixon does this election is kind of weird. Um, it changed. Yes. A few years ago. Mm-hmm. But this is the first one since it changed, correct? Right. right. So if tell me how I've screwed this up. Basically, the school board is now a partisan board as opposed to... Um, and I'm not going to be really any better than you. We did. I think it's been two years since the state of Tennessee said you could yes. do this. And at first, um, I don't think we did. But somewhere in the last two years, we did have you run for school board on, on a party ticket. Which means it that, used to just be in that later election. Here's the different seats and who's running because it's three seats every two years. It's half and half. Right. Um, so this is the first time that the three seats that are open you run as a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent. And because this year is there's an incumbent Democrat, it tends to be the Republicans mm-hmm. are the only people who vote in the primary because that's the one that's the contested seat. Right. And there's nobody running in, for the school board in the Democratic primary. In, in this seat, in, in this, this seat. district, in Correct. the District 1, which is voting districts 10 and 12. We're all three running on the Republican ticket. So that means 
the Republican primary is where this seat will be decided. Right. So, so that, I mean, that it, people I've heard a few people say things like, well, I thought the election for that's in the fall. Well, right. well yes, but the primary is what will decide this ticket. This one. Yes. So if you're mm-hmm. interested in mm-hmm. voting on that, if you want effectively, if you want to vote for your position in District 1, yes. in District 1, yep. you have to vote in the Republican primary for this. Right. So Which, March the 5th is the voting date mm-hmm. and then early voting is going on now through the 27th. I mean, we don't yeah. need to wade too deep into the politics, right. but that system right. sure seems kind of crazy. <laughs> but, but that's the bottom line. There are three yeah. people running, and if you want to have a voice, it's now. Right. Okay, so I'll, I'll ask the hard yeah. question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is Leslie's favorite question. We've had people uh, door knock our neighborhood when we lived in White Bluff, canvassing mm-hmm. for votes. Mm-hmm. That has to be a special kind of miserable. <laughs> um, I can't imagine that sounds like a lot of fun. But she would ask everyone from the same question. Uh, she would say, why should I vote for you? And what's crazy, of the five or six people that, that canvassed mm-hmm. our house in White Bluff, all of them looked confused and surprised by that question, except for one. And that's the county mayor. It was when Bob ran for uh, mayor mm-hmm. and he took over mm-hmm. four or five elections, however long he's been in that office. He was the first person who, when she looked at him and said, why should I vote for you, said, here's my reason. Yeah. Uh, everybody else looked confused. And I've told that story a few times, not because... I'm not trying to be like a Bob Ryle fanboy or anti-Bob. That, that's not the point. It's, not the it's point. Yeah. what a basic yeah. question that somebody ought yeah. to have an answer yes. to. Yeah. And I know you've kind of hinted at your answer, but I'm going to ask it explicitly. Mm-hmm. Well, why you? Yeah. Um, why, my motivation is I would like to have someone on the school board that understands special education, has a personal connection um, to ask those questions, to know when you're looking at a policy is this a policy that affects all students the same, or is this a policy that would affect this population differently? Mm-hmm. To say, let's talk about this because this should factor into how, you know, um, an example is the, the, one of the special ed, po- not a special ed policies, but deals with that. Um, at the state level, it includes like a bullet point to have a community advisory group. Oh. You bring businesses, yeah, you know, maybe some churches, parents some adult individuals with a disability, that's kind of a go-to. We don't have that in Dixon, and I would love to. So that's an example of kind of why... That's an easy fix. Yeah, it is. I mean, in the grand scheme, I'm not minimizing the work that Mm -hmm. would be required. Right. um, So that's my personal why, maybe my motivation, but that's not why maybe if you don't have anybody in your life with a disability. But I do have seven years chairing an advocacy and education committee for the ARC Tennessee. I'm on their board and I chair that committee. So I've been looking at education legislation and not not just special education, because again, they receive special ed services, but they also receive, receive all your school services, right. you know. Um, and I've had two kids that have, you know, my daughter graduated in 22, my son graduates in 24. So I've got very recent involvement. I mean, I'm one of the parents that really wants a tennis court at Dixon County High School. My daughter played tennis, you yeah. know. Uh, both of my kids ran. I wish we had a new um, track yeah. in Dixon County. Our track is is falling apart. So things like that. But I also understand it's balanced. You only have so much money. So I'm not being critical we don't have those. My point is just I get it. I'm very plugged into where we are right now. But at the same time, I'm also not running. None of us are running on history. Yeah, We're running on a future, and we don't even know what that is. But I think I have good background. I have a good experience. Um, I have a lot of experience being a part of, I've been on the board there for 10 years, three years, developmental services. But even my work experience before was groups of people sitting around a table trying to find the best solution. There's not one, Mm. there's several, and how do we find the best? And so 
I don't know, I just think I bring a lot of experience as well as personal commitment. And then I've, you know, one thing about James that I didn't say that John and I realized when he was born, and I would think through all these things and the importance of community and the things we're going to teach him and all the ways we're going to maximize his life. We looked at each other and we're like, you know, if it's up to us, we'll never leave Dixon. You know, that we realized we are going to be building a world for him (laughs) and we're never going to want to go have to start over. And so even that, I'm like, I I think I'm going to be here for a while. And so I care. And then the other thing is I am a huge advocate for public education. And and I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this before, but I'm like, it's not. It's not that I want to do these for all the ki- do this for all of our the kids in the county. It's that I see all the kids in the county are my kids' peers when they grow up. They are they're going to run all of our systems. We want educated people. Yeah. So you, so you know because some people want to talk about well I have to pay taxes and I don't even have kids in the school system. Oh, good grief! That's the dumbest. But thing you're educating. Say. Our population. Do you want and the police want, officers who take care of you from 30 years from exactly. now to, to so, have some problem-solving yeah. so skills? I, you, know? you know, I have that heart for public education, and I believe in it. I believe it works. I believe it can be done and can be done well, and I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of shaping and guiding our education system in my community. Well, I'll say this, and you can disagree with me or whatever you need to do, but it has been a bumpy few months for the education system in Dixon mm-hmm. with the search for a new director of schools. Um, some people loved Danny Weeks. Some people hated Danny Weeks. Mm-hmm. And as usual, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Yes, it's um, a hard job. The process to replace him, frankly, we did not look good during that process because we divided into teams and we yelled at each other and we made mm-hmm. accusations about each other. And I'm, I hope you don't hear me singling out anybody here because no. there's plenty to yeah. go around. Um, but I heard you say, let's come together. Let's find some balance. Let's mm-hmm. let's work on collaborative solutions. Um, that doesn't sound like rocket science, <laughs> but it sure sounds like what's been missing. In but the it's world. hard. It's human nature. Yeah. And it's hard. Um, but I did appreciate in that last meeting and I actually was reading through like um, yeah, there's training you go to to be on the board. And that's one of the things I read in that is that, you know, board members may not agree and they may work through things. But once there's a vote, then you all agree, yeah. you know, whatever you vote on. And hopefully that's where we are in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a hard process. Yeah. I, I think hiring that timing, you know, I, I think the timing in the middle of a school year. Super hard. Is hard. Um and I hope that the people of Dixon do what they know how to do mm-hmm. and say, Christy's our school director. Yes. We're going to support her. We're yep. going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. We're going to encourage her. We're going to pray for her, mm-hmm. whether or not she was your person. Uh, one of the saddest things to me about the state of American politics is how much it's turned into, if I don't get my way, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. And if I can't get what I want, then you can't get what you want. Um, and sometimes our community is tempted to do that. But I want to see this be a time of... Of the other way, because we know how to do the other way. Yes. Uh, and and that's what I say, to, to realize there's not always only one right answer. Mm-hmm. And so even if you don't get your, what you consider the best answer, it's still a good answer. Mm-hmm. And let's make this work. Absolutely. I hate that compromise feels like it's become a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Compromise mm-hmm. now means selling out to the enemy. Right. But compromise should mean we're all trying to find a way to get one step closer to what we want. Right. Um, and there is a lot of important work to be done in that area because I just think 
just a new employee, you know, just a new employee. Oh, she's got to, a lot to learn and a lot to make it her own, mm-hmm. you know, and I know she's going to look to the board. It, it's right. It's the relationship. But I also know she will welcome that. And she sounded in her interview very much like she's someone that is open and discusses and looks for ideas to help her make decisions. So I think it can be an easy um, working relationship. I think she's very open to board input. Again, that is the relationship she should be. Yeah. But I just I, I say I think she is. I don't think it's like you have to push it on her. I think she will seek it. Yes. And I think this next year, that's going to be a very important piece of what's going on in Dixon County is looking at everything the director does as she makes it her own. Mm-hmm. There's going to be places she'll stumble. There's going to be places she's going to make it better. Yes. You know, she brings a lot of great experience outside of our county, and that's new ideas. Yeah. And new, so as well as she's been in our county and she knows us warts and all. And yes. She knows where we need to improve. She knows where our strengths are that we need to protect. Well, by the um, end of that process, I'd yeah. say nobody who wants this job should have it because they'd be crazy to want it. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, I, yeah. I sure would love to see this be the time where the the school board, the schools director, and the county commission all figure Work out how to together. get together. Yes, you know, yep. um, yeah. and it just it takes communication mm-hmm. and it takes humility mm-hmm. and it. I don't want to see people line up behind their teams and their tribes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. The line you keep saying is, you know, what's good for everybody? What's yeah. good for everybody? Mm-hmm. And everybody means everybody. Mm-hmm. Especially the children. I mean, it's just first and foremost, it's every student in every class. Mm-hmm. They're precious. And, you know, we need to do this well for them. Well, yep. so your district again is where? School District 1. So it's 10 and 12 voting districts. Which is? Um, 10 is like north of 70. Okay. In Dixon, somewhere past Luther Lake, across that way, and then back toward like Sutherland Road. Okay. So that chunk and Ridge, uh, Ridgecrest over by Greystone. And then 12 kicks in somewhere out going towards White Bluff, and then it does cross over like 96 and goes into Burns, like the Ridgely area, and back in there. So it's a large area. It's very large. But on your voting card, it'll be 10 or 12 voting district school board. And if you one. can't remember where your voting card is, go to... Just Google Dixon County Election, Election Commission. Commission. There's a map exactly. you can pull up that shows yes. you all that stuff. I've had to do it a bunch of times because yeah. I can't ever remember <laughs> where it. Then they redistricted a couple of years ago, and I thought I knew, and then I didn't. When you run for school board, you'll get it in your head, and you won't forget. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. So, I've so. said far too many things in public that are terrible <laughs> for me to ever run for anything. So there is that. Yeah. Anything else you want to share today? No, except to reiterate that, oh, I hope this has not come across as like negative or hard. Um, disability is just a part of life. It's just that it's different and you have to figure it out. Um, but, oh, my goodness, if we as a community can embrace that this is us and do this together, uh-huh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So. Thank you for this opportunity. Man, thanks for doing it. We talked about it forever ago, and we finally made yeah, time to exactly. do it today. Uh, but this has been cool. Um, if people have questions for you or curiosity or want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to do that? I would love to funnel that through my office, okay. if that's okay. Um, my email address is rlampley, R-L-A-M-P-L-E-Y, at dsdc.org. And that is Dixon I mean, developmental services, Dixon County. That's the DSDC. And I and I would love, I would love opportunities to go wherever we need to with this because it's my passion, it's my job, and it's my life. So yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been fun, yeah. friends. 
uh, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time today. And I hope, um, you know, I, I have like three pages of notes from from all of the things that Robin talked about today. I hope uh, this has blessed you. And I hope it'll give you some things to think about, maybe some challenges to think about how we interact with people who don't act or look or uh, function exactly like we do. Not that anyone does those things. You know how it is. Anywho, until next time, I can't wait to hear what God does in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.